Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Please have a seat, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, one and all, to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Hey. Quick question. Quick question. How was your weekend? I certainly had an interesting one because some of my staff had a memorable one. Here's what happened. Last week, I heard from my old colleague, Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. <laughs> Triumph uh, offered to go down to D.C. and interview some Congress people to highlight the January 6th hearings. I said, sure, if you can get anyone to agree to talk to you, because, and please don't take this as an insult, you're a puppet. <laughs> well, he did. Democratic and Republican Congress people agreed to talk to Triumph. He's a bipartisan puppy. He's so neutral, he's neutered. <laughs> now, Triumph, Triumph and my folks shot for two days in congressional offices across the street from the Capitol building. They went through security clearance, shot all day Wednesday, all day Thursday, invited into the offices of the Congress people they were interviewing. And that's very important. You have to invite Triumph in. He works on Dracula rules. <laughs> now, end of day two, Thursday evening, after they'd finished their interviews, they were doing some last-minute puppetry and uh, jokey make-em-ups in a hallway when Triumph and my folks were approached and detained by the Capitol Police, which actually isn't that surprising. The Capitol Police are much more cautious than they were, say, 18 months ago, <laughs> and for a very good reason. If you don't know what that reason is, I know what news network you watch. <laughs> so... <laughs> the Capitol Police were just doing their job. My staff was just doing their job. Everyone was very professional. Everyone was very calm. My staffers were detained, processed, and released. A very unpleasant experience for my staff. A lot of paperwork for the Capitol Police, but a fairly simple story. Until <laughs> the next night when a couple of the TV people started claiming that my puppet squad had, quote, committed insurrection <laughs> at the U.S. Capitol building. First of all, what? <laughs> Second of all, huh? Third of all, they weren't in the Capitol building. Fourth of all, and I am shocked I have to explain the difference, but an insurrection involves disrupting the lawful actions of Congress and howling for the blood of elected leaders all to prevent the peaceful transfer of power. This was first-degree puppetry. <laughs> this was hijinks with intent to goof. <laughs> Misappropriation of an old Conan bit. <laughs> now, it is predictable. It's really Conan's fault. It's really Conan's fault, it, you know? Now, it's predictable why these TV talkers are talking like this on the TV. They want to talk about something other than the January 6th hearings on the actual seditionist insurrection that led to the deaths of multiple people and the injury 
of over 140 police officers. But drawing any equivalence between rioters storming our capital to prevent the counting of electoral ballots and a cigar-chomping toy dog is a shameful and grotesque insult to the memory of everyone who died. And it obscenely trivializes the service and the courage the Capitol Police showed on that terrible day. But who knows? Maybe there was a vast conspiracy to overthrow the government of the United States with a rubber Rottweiler. (laughs) After all, Thursday night, the night that they were detained, was the 50th anniversary of the Watergate break-in. Are we supposed to believe that was a coincidence? (laughs) Yes. And we all know the long history of puppet lawlessness, the great Muppet caper, the fraggle riots of the 1980s. Who can forget when Kukla, Fran, and Ali were hauled into the Charlie McCarthy hearings? And how do you think King Friday came to power in the neighborhood of make-believe with the backing of the head of his secret police, Henrietta Pussycat? (laughs) Meow, meow, attach jumper cables to your nipples, meow. But... In this case, in this case, (laughs) in this case, our puppet was just a puppet doing puppet stuff. And sad to say, so much has changed in Washington that the Capitol Police do have to stay at high alert at all times because of the attack on January 6th. And as the hearings prove more clearly every day, the blame for that actual insurrection all lies with Putin's puppet. Now, (laughs) speaking of the thing... Speaking of the thing we should be speaking about, the January 6th hearings start back up tomorrow, and that is not good news for former president Phony Soprano. (laughs) Tomorrow, tomorrow, the Jan 6th committee is focusing their investigation on his campaign scheme to send a group of so-called alternate electors from states Biden had won, and to have those fake electors declare themselves the rightful electors and submit false electoral college certificates. Did they really think that was going to work? Why didn't they just have the former president show up to the inauguration in a rubber Joe Biden mask (laughs) and try to fool Justice Roberts into swearing him in again? Wait, wait, which one's the real Joe? (laughs) We'll have to flip a coin. Fat Joe, you call it. (laughs) Now... Now, the House committee says they have proof that this plan went all the way to the top and the former president himself was involved, which explains why one of the proposed electors was an onion ring and a wig. (laughs) The former president uh, was down in Nashville this weekend and he tried to downplay his failed coup. As to what happened on January 6th, it was a simple protest. It got out of hand. And I will say one thing they don't talk about. They never show... The size of the crowd. I believe it was the largest number of people I've ever spoken to. Who cares about the size of the damn crowd? That's like Jeffrey Dahmer saying, I know I murdered a bunch of people, but look at how many leftovers I have. It was... It was really, really, it was just a potluck that got out of hand. Speaking of which, if you're hungry, there's some leftover hand. 
Then the former president mocked Mike Pence for following the Constitution. Mike Pence had absolutely no choice but to be a human conveyor belt. Here's a human conveyor belt. He had no choice, no matter what. There is absolutely nothing that he could do. I said, well, what is he, a robot? I actually came up with the word conveyor belt. No, you did not. You've known those words for years. It's how you eat dinner. <laughs> now... There you go. There you go. Uh, turning to the actual president, it was a bit of a bumpy weekend for Joe Biden. He was in Delaware celebrating his 45th wedding anniversary when he had a little whoopsie-daisy. There's footage. But before we show it, just know... Everyone's fine. Jim. <laughs> oh! And down goes Frazier! <laughs> the only thing... <laughs> right out of frame. He's fine. The only thing falling faster is Bitcoin and Joe's approval ratings. Hey. Read the paper. Now, <laughs> as embarrassing as that might be, this isn't the first time a president's taken a fall on vacation. We all remember when Bush fell off his Segway or when Calvin Coolidge burned his nips on the presidential slip and slide. <laughs> Joe Biden was quick to blame the fall on the bike's toe clips. Are you okay? oh, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep up the good work. I keep on taking these, these things off. I got my foot caught Which explains Biden's new slogan, Build Bike Better. <laughs> A one person, sure. Why not? Why not? One person who weighed in on the incident was the former president, who mentioned the mishap in his speech that night near Memphis, and he made this promise. I make this pledge to you today, I will never, ever ride a bicycle. <laughs> Oh, we know. <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight. Coming up, Senator Cory Booker. Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game, headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, my guest tonight currently serves as the United States Senator from the great state of New Jersey. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Senator Cory Booker. It's lovely to have you on the show, and I hope that this does not denigrate the position of a senator. You're always a ray of sunshine. I appreciate that. You have a positive energy, which I enjoy. I have to say this about you, because people who run things... Yep. 
it says a lot to, about them, the people that work around here. Folks are just so nice. They're really, really kind. Thank you. They're just, I'm so lucky to work yeah, with you. Yeah, you are. Such lovely people. I mean, <laughs> I love that they're, they're, they're so nice that your hair and makeup people offered me hair. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was very, very it. kind. Think about it, especially yeah. if you ever run for president. Yeah. <laughs> I will, I will. Now, yesterday, there's some fans out yeah. there. Now, uh, yesterday was Juneteenth. Yes. Uh, of course, the federal holiday, it fell on uh, Sunday, so it's being celebrated today. Yes. Now, uh, uh, two years ago, you introduced Juneteenth legislation that passed a year later. How does it feel? What does it mean to you for this to be a federal holiday now and to be celebrating the second year of it? You know, we were founded and conceived in the ideals of liberty and freedom, and right. we weren't free at that point. Women weren't mentioned in our founding documents, didn't have equal rights. African Americans were fractions of human beings. Mm -hmm. And this is a celebration of our country's continued work, sacrifice, struggle, death, and, and, and war uh, to eventually get yet another major step towards our highest ideals. So it's a time of, for me, a real celebration. And it's nice that it comes right before the 4th of July. It, it is actually really nice that they're paired so close together. Mm -hmm. and I well, hope, it's a reminder that liberty has to be for everyone. And also a reminder, I hope, that in this country, every generation has to work and sacrifice to secure the blessings of liberty because freedom is not ever won. It has to be re-won by every generation. Vigilance. Yes. Now, there has been a, a, a little bit of controversy with the, already, this is only year two, the commercialization of Juneteenth. That yes. products being sold that are like, Juneteenth colored, or yeah. uh, or that you know Juneteenth mattress sales, or whatever it is, yeah. you know, sort of the President's Day, Martin Luther King Day of Juneteenth. How how do you feel about the commercialization? Are you for it, against it? Or? Look, I, I at the end of the day, I think the materialism and commercialism and consumerism, those streams within our our society, often do detract from the nobility and the principles and the ideals, but also. Uh, for us confronting the fullness of our history. Like, I, I get very frustrated that Martin Luther King Day, we've created this Santa Clausification of Martin Luther King mm -hmm. uh, when he was wildly unpopular uh, uh, at the time he died. He was somebody that pushed this country uh, to expand its moral imagination. Mm -hmm. And so this idea that a day about freedom and liberty uh, is descending into consumerism, we can't let that happen. And so, of course, companies are going to try to do their best uh, to, to pad their bottom lines. But we have a responsibility uh, not to cheapen this holiday and to talk about it and speak about it and, most importantly, try to be about it, try to be and live uh, the ideals that we're celebrating. I, I think that's exactly right. I, I think that's exactly right. You have to remember what the, the day is about, what the celebration is. But the commercialization means it's a real American holiday yeah. now. <laughs> well, you add that. You, if corporations <laughs> are making some money, it's going to be with us you, forever. You, you add that with, uh, uh, you know, large amount of consuming lots of food, perhaps, and sure. it makes it very American. I said uh, to the band and the audience at the top of the last deck, I said, happy Juneteenth. I'm so new to, like, the Juneteenth celebration. Um, do you say happy Juneteenth? Because like, you don't say happy Good Friday, or you know, like, do you say, no. do you say happy <laughs> Juneteenth? Because my only hesitancy is that it is the celebration of the ending of something so horrible. Right, but you remember it was a jubilee. People were celebrating at the time. It was this incredible moment of joy, and we should remember that and what it meant. Uh, so I definitely think if you're celebrating the Fourth of July. 
uh, uh, dear God, let's celebrate this as well. All right, good. From the man who introduced the bill himself. Yes, yes. All right. You recently, you recently uh, wrote a tribute to Judge Katanji Brown Jackson for the, the Time 100. Yes, and but, this is the 100 uh, most influential people in the world. Right. Yes. And wh what was it like for you? What, what is the meaning of Katanji Brown Jackson's elevation to the Supreme Court? And what was it like for you to see the first black woman become a justice? So I have to admit, it was very emotional for me. I confessed to her that I'm sort of far down in seniority, so it takes a long time to, to get to me. And I just kept looking at this person in awe and seeing in her, I have to say, my family members or my ancestors. This is stunning that this is the first time. We've had about 118 Supreme Court justices. About 108 of them have been white men. And this is the first time ever we are putting a black woman on the Supreme Court. And part of me is sorry that it took so long. But part of me just was so overwhelmed with joy and emotion and gratitude to all that had to happen to get her there. And in many ways, I know that she is a glass ceiling breaker, a, a history maker, and that she will widen the pathway for more people to come. Because stunningly, uh, we are a nation that still, I, I'm only the fourth black person ever popularly elected to the United States Senate. I mean, most people don't realize that we are still in so many areas of our society, even in the private sector. I mean, if you just look at the number of women, forget black women, that get venture money to start businesses, it's about 1%. And so th this is a, a moment in American history where you have this magnificent, qualified person, forget her gender and race, she is extraordinary. But we, I just could not help but feeling this sense of hallelujah, this sense of thank God, this sense of what this really means for generations yet unborn to have this light helping to cast away uh, the remaining darkness that seems to cloud this country's ability to show its truth that we are a profoundly beautiful multicultural democracy with talent everywhere, but in some areas still we, we just select too few. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I will ask Senator Booker about the proposed gun control legislation coming up in the Senate. Stick around. Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney, the voice of Korra on The Legend of Korra. And me, Dante Bosco, the voice of Zuko on The Last Airbender and General Iroh on The Legend of Korra. Each week we'll recap and discuss another episode of The Last Airbender. I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but... Amazing guests stop by from creators to cast to super fans to chat all things Avatarverse. Are we saying that this is possible in the Avatar universe? Varney, we gotta spread the word. Now fans can also check out our weekly video pods too by subscribing to the official Avatar YouTube channel. That's a lot of fire, isn't it? That's right, we're on video this season, everybody. So whether you're a super fan with encyclopedic knowledge or you're brand new to this incredible world, it's Fire Nation time, book of fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Brave the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Last week, you were part of a, a bipartisan group of senators who announced that they have come to an agreement on a proposal to create legislation for some, as it's often called, common sense gun reforms or gun control. 
Can you give us some sense? This is still being drafted right yes. now. It hasn't been passed, hasn't been voted on. Can you give us some sense of what you hope ends up in this bill to be voted on? So I talked to the principal negotiator, an incredible senator, incredible person named Chris Murphy, on the way here, and we're very, very close uh, to getting a bill text out to the nation. And then we have a very hard and fraught path to actually pass it. But this bill has really important things that are necessary for the safety of our country, but not sufficient. It is a stride in the right direction. Let me just ask stop in one for a second. Yes. Why is it such a hard and fraught path to get it passed? Aren't there already aren't there already ten Republicans who'd say they will vote for the proposal as it is, which would beat the filibuster? So there are, but the, the, we have to hold that we have to hold those folks. Okay. So they they are all, including Mitch McConnell. I'm with this framework, but I want to see the text. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be something that's going to have to be there. And then, as I've seen, there are all kind of games that can be played on the Senate floor to try to kill the bill, to put up poison pill amendment on it or something like that. Mm -hmm. So we are way ahead of where we've ever been. In 30 plus years in the Senate, we have never gotten this close to passing gun safety legislation. So we are, we are in a good spot, but we have a lot more work to do. And when I say we, not just the 10 Democrats, 10 Republicans that are on this bill, I hope we as Americans will continue mm -hmm. to let our government know we want this, our senators know that we want this. But the bill has some very important things in it closing something called the boyfriend loophole. We've told if you're accused, if you're convicted of battery against your wife, you can't get a gun. But if it's your boyfriend, uh, there's a loophole that allows that person to get a gun. There are something that we call red flag laws in this bill to give states resources to uh, do things to help people who might be a danger to themselves or others to temporarily, with due process, suspend their rights to have a gun. Uh, there are, uh, something I've been working for since I've been a mayor a lot of the guns that get here to New York through New Jersey are done by straw purchasers. These people that you are not able to buy a gun because past conviction, so you get uh, somebody to go in with you and you point to the gun you want to buy and that person buys those guns. So it has penalties on straw purchasers. It has a more involved background check for 18, 19, 20 uh, people under 21 to buy certain weapons, which, is, which could hopefully catch folks that are intending to do serious harm and serious damage. And then it has something that's just common sense. We do need money uh, in this nation to support people with mental illness. Even though I, this, I worry about stigmatizing people with mental illness, people with mental illness are less likely than other Americans to be involved in committing crimes of violence and more likely to be victimized by them. But we all know we don't do enough in our country to support uh, people who are mentally ill. And I'm hoping there'll be some resources in it as well to fund community-based programs that are evidence-based that are proven to lower, lower violence. The, the House passed a background check. <laughs> the House of Representatives passed a universal background check uh, piece of legislation last year. It hasn't come up for a vote in the Senate. What is the role of the filibuster here? I mean, so the filibuster is one of these things that I've come to think is wrong. I was originally one of these people that said, well, what happened when, you know, Paul Ryan was the Speaker of the House and Mitch McConnell was in charge of the Senate and Donald Trump was there? All the things they could have done if we didn't have as a minority in the Senate the power to stop that. But I've now come to realize, in my opinion, that the filibuster is stopping common sense legislation that the overwhelming majority of Americans agree on. Obama had a filibuster-proof majority and passed something uh, uh, called the Affordable Care Act. Actually, had to do it and use some Senate procedures. And when they tried to get rid of it, 
uh, most Americans by that point loved their health care and didn't want it to change. And you had people like John McCain and others stopping him. So there's a whole bunch of things that America wants done that get, die in the Senate because of this rule of the filibuster, which was used mostly in the modern era to stop civil rights legislation. And so right now, the most of Americans believe in universal background checks. Most of Americans support things like gun licensing. You need a license to drive a car? Why not have a license, uh, need a license to buy a gun? Most Americans support you know, raising the age to buy these weapons to 21 and more. So, so we can't get those common sense things done that are supported, most of them, by majority of Republicans because of this filibuster. And that's why I'm one of the people in the Senate that believes we should end the filibuster and be able to get things done that the American people really want us to do. More with Senator Cory Booker after this. Hey, everybody. We're back here with Senator Cory Booker from the great state of New Jersey. Tomorrow is the next January 6th uh, committee hearing. I know that on the anniversary of the January 6th attack this year, you gave an impassioned speech on the floor of the Senate. And I'm wondering, when you watch these hearings, what, um, well, what do you think of the hearings so far? So it's hard for me to escape the feelings and the emotion and the anger of being there on the Senate floor that day, watching colleagues of mine that I have respect for and relationships with begin to do something that's never been done before, which is try to stop uh, the counting of electoral votes. This is something that Al Gore, as vice president, did, even though that election was very contentious. Such an honorable thing, that process worked. And then all of a sudden, hell breaks loose on the Senate floor, staffers coming in crying. Eventually, they locked us down, men with large guns came in, and then they evacuated us. And I'll never forget the first thing I saw, me and Mark Kelly decided to hold up the rear as they were escaping. And then when I got out, I see uh, a downed police officer. And then I see two more on our escape route. Every time I would go over what happened to you, I was hit. These are injured, wounded police officers. But the thing that will haunt me and, and, and affect me for the rest of my life was getting to my office and turning on my TV. And the first image I saw waving defiantly in our capital was the traitor's flag, the Confederate flag. And as I continued to watch, I saw people with Camp Auschwitz t-shirts, blatant racism and anti-Semitism. Black officers I know were called vile and vicious names during this attack. Hate reigned on our capital as people tried to stop the peaceful transfer of power. Hate that was stopped in the Civil War, rebuffed, but now our capital was overrun with the worst of our human ideals not even an ideal, or worse, with our, of our human passions. And so this is a very important process that's going on. But we are in dangerous territory in our country. Uh, threats on judges have gone up four or five-fold. Threats on, on, on election workers have gone up. Violent acts, we are seeing right-wing extremists in mosques and synagogues uh, flare into violence. We saw a threat on a Republican Supreme Court, a Republican-appointed Supreme Court justice. Our nation is always and forever uh, um, uh, close to uh, that dark underbelly of hate that exists in humanity. 
And this is going to be one of those times where America is going to have to choose. Will we go deeper into misinformation, fear-mongering, uh, lies, and mistruths? Or will we find some way to come out of this and reclaim the high ground, not a partisan high ground, but reclaim the high ground of the moral virtues that will forever be the only salvation of this country? And so these are hearings. There's a lot of legal implications for them. But for me, I'm one of those Americans that is not going to wait and see the outcome of this. We have to end this culture of contempt in this country. We have to find a way to reverse what I think is uh, a too much of a dip into this dark place. We've got to bring back the light of a nation that stands for peace and justice and morality and the highest of all human virtues, which is love. Amen, Senator. Yeah. Senator Cory Booker, everybody. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Poncho, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. And for more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube.